This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. This is Peter and Tricia welcoming you today to Great News and God News, a half-hour weekly broadcast on Free FM 89.0, independent community media. We can be contacted by email at greatnews376 at gmail.com. That is greatnews376 at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Today's worship theme, Christian growth comes from hearing and responding to God's word. Lessons learned at the Watergate Did you know that an important event is associated with the Watergate? This story is found in the Old Testament in the book of Nehemiah. A remnant had returned from exile. The wall around the city of Jerusalem had been restored. Now moral and spiritual rebuilding had to take place. The remnant must come to see themselves as people of God. Ezra, the scribe, is the key figure. The law of God is the key document. The people of God are active participants. The Spirit of God is the empowering agent. What lessons are learned from this experience? We read from Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tishatha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portion to them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord God. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. We must hear the word. Abraham believed the word that came from God, and thus began one of the greatest pilgrimages of faith. The palmist asks, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? And answers, By taking heed thereof, 
according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Paul reminds us that so then faith cometh by the hearing and hearing by the word of God. Before the word of God can be believed, remembered or appropriated, it must be heard. Karl Barth referred to the word of God in its threefold form, written, living and preached. The importance of the preached word in the concept of worship should not be underestimated. Just as the men and women of Israel were willing to stand for hours listening to the word of God, so we too must be willing to invest the time, effort and energy necessary to hear God's word. Jesus said, let him who has ears to hear, hear. We must respond to the word. Kiergaard once observed that in the worship, God is the audience, we are the participants. As Ezra read the law, the people of God responded with praise and assent. Our hearts are made alive by faith and through the working of the Holy Spirit. We are liberated from sin and self that we might live to the praise and glory of God. Jesus said that the true worshippers of God do so in spirit and in truth. The objective side of faith is the truth of God revealed in Christ. The subjective side of faith is our personal appreciation of that truth through the response of commitment. We must grow to more fully understand God's word. St. Augustine said, I believe that I may understand. Often we encounter would-be believers who say, if only I could be sure that I could live the Christian life, I would believe. Just as a person cannot learn to swim apart from getting into the pool, so we cannot live the Christian life on a purely theoretical level. Faith precedes understanding. Once we commit to God, we will then spend the rest of our lives coming to more fully understand the nature and will of God. We are to make disciples, baptize them, and then teach them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. We must hear and respond to the word of God in order we might fully understand that word. Our first music today, Blessed Assurance. Fanny Crosby is heralded as one of the world's most prolific and talented hymn composers. Blind from shortly after birth, Fanny nevertheless wrote 8,000 hymns. She was visiting her friend Phoebe Knapp at the Knapp home was having a large new pipe organ installed. The organ was incomplete so Mrs Knapp using the piano played a new melody she just composed. When Knapp asked Crosby what do you think the tune says, Crosby replied, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine.
When the BBC produced the Walking with the Dinosaur series several years ago, they had to search the globe for appropriate filming locations. But whenever they discovered an otherwise suitable site, the ground was inevitably covered in grass. And back in the year 1999, that was an evolutionary impossibility. You see, until recently, most scientists thought that grasses first evolved around 55 million years ago, long after the supposed extinction of the dinosaurs. But since then, studies of fossilised dinosaur dung have shown that not only did dinosaurs and grass live at the same time, but dinosaurs actually ate it. We often hear dogmatic statements about what did or didn't happen millions of years ago, but it's important to realise that these statements involve lots of assumptions, are often based on fragmentary evidence, and can be totally overturned when new evidence comes to light. To find out more from Creation Ministries International, visit our website, creation.com. You are listening to Great News and God's Views on Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. We continue with Glorious Things of the Earth Spoken, written by the English poet and clergyman John Newton. Newton wrote the words from personal experience. He grew up without any particular religious conviction, but his life's path was formed by a variety of twists and coincidences that were often put into motion by his objection to the requirements of unquestioned obedience to orders. He was conscripted into service in the Royal Navy and after leaving the service became involved in the Atlantic slave trade. In 1748 a violent storm battered his vessel off the coast of Ireland so severely he called out to God for mercy, a moment that marked his spiritual conversion. He continued his slave trading career until 1755 when he ended seafaring altogether and began to study Christian theology. Glorious things of thee are spoken.
cooperation that makes a difference. A discovery has been made that when the roots of trees touch, there's a substance present that reduces competition. This unknown fungus helps link roots of various trees, including dissimilar species. A whole forest may be incorporated together in this manner. If one tree has access to nutrients, another to water and a third to sunlight, the trees have the means to cooperate with one another to live. Multiple analyses are made to show a need for cooperation and support for one another. The tree illustration is one way to analyse the situation, while Paul in his letter to the Corinthians uses the body as a singular cooperation. We read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptised into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the body, whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet one, but one body. And the eye cannot see unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of thee. <laughs> Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honourable, upon these we bestow more abundant honour, and to our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honour to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honoured, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you the more excellent way. Cooperation with the head, Christ. Paul pictures Jesus in the Corinthian text as the head of the church. Christ is the unifying power that keeps the body together. In this role he helps, thinks, guides and directs the body. A university professor performed an experiment in his classes that awed him every time he did it. On an oak table, he placed a pile of horseshoe nails, and in one corner of the same room was a powerful dynamo. When the electric current was switched on and the poles of the electromagnet were brought up under the table, 
Immediately there was constituted about the table a field of magnetic force. As long as the field of force was maintained, the loose horseshoe nails could be built into various forms like a cube, a square or an arch. As long as the current was on, the nails would stay in exactly the form placed as if they'd been soldered together. But the moment the current was cut off, the nails would fall to a shapeless mass. Christ's unifying power is to Christians as the field of magnetic force was to the nails. If we do not allow him to be head of life of the church, there will be a great collapse of morals, ethics and spirit. Cooperation with the body. As Christ is the example of cooperation with God for the individual, he is also an example for the rest of the body. On a blank leaf of a grandmother's Bible was drawn a circle with several radii converging to the centre which was named Christ. On the radii were written the names of different denominations of Christians. Underneath the circle she had written, the nearer the centre, the nearer to one another, provided that we agree on doctrine. Cooperation with a purpose, service. Paul teaches that each Christian has a distinct contribution for the benefit of the whole. He comes by way of service to others. Martin Luther said that a Christian person is the most free of any other, Lord of all and subject to none. But that person is also the most dutiful servant of all and subject to everybody. Serving others is certainly the Christian's responsibility, as Christ demonstrated. Let it be as Robert MacGregor has written, Put a world in my heart, Lord Jesus. Give me lips to tell the good news. We continue great news and God's views with O love that wilt not let me go. Written by George Matheson, who became blind at 20 years of age in 1862 and went on to become a Scottish minister and hymn writer. Queen Victoria invited him to preach at Balmoral and had one of his sermons published. O love that wilt not let me go.
This is Peter and Tricia thanking you for joining us for Great News and God's Views today on Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. We invite you to listen in every Sunday from 9.30 to 10 for a presentation of historic Bible-based Christianity, highlighting preaching of the Word, classic songs, hymns and spiritual songs. We use only the King James Bible, the authorised version. 89.0 89.0 is live streamed from freefm.org.nz or tune in and now on Amazon Echo devices using the FreeFM89 Alexa skill. We would love to hear your comments on this show. We can be contacted by email at greatnews376 at gmail.com. That is greatnews376 at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.